This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and for being patrons like Doug Palmer and Mark. Thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. Hi, this is Chris Sims. I used to work for Wizards of the Coast, but I've been reskinned as a freelancer. And you're listening to The Tome Show. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 277, the podcast is alive with the sound of music. The episode's all about bards! You didn't want to sing the line? Aww. I usually give myself the goofy singing lines, but uh, I just wanted to see if Tracy would do it. Playing it safe, that's okay. Uh, joining us for this episode is the greatest bard enthusiast ever to carry a tune, who also is the new host of The Roundtable, Topher Cohan. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so fantastic to be here, and bards rule, everyone else drools. Ooh, throwing down the gauntlet on, on part one of this series. So today we're talking all about bards, why people should play them, how they work, how to make them awesome, all that kind of stuff. It's part one of a series that we're going to do, looking at every single D&D class and giving advice on how to, how to do that class in sort of a same, similar theme. Uh, this is all inspired by a series of articles over at sarahdarkmagic.com that Tracy wrote. Right, Tracy? Yeah, and by series it may be one, but I had plans for more. Yeah, series of one, and now we're going to port it over here. Yeah, this is a much easier uh, format for that, too. Awesome. Uh, but before we get into that, we need to remind you about our great sponsor, Noble Knight Games. They're a game store, both physical and online, that specializes in finding out-of-print products. And our pick from them for this episode is the Spellbook Cards for Bards from Gale Force 9. For only $10 from Noble Knight, you get a deck of cards detailing every bard spell, making it super easy to create a quickly referenced spellbook for your character, allowing you to take your action each turn without having to reference a book all the time. Which is awesome. When my players started using these, uh, it, it changed the way having a spellcaster at the table worked for us. Because I find having a spellcaster at the table to be largely annoying because they have to sit there and reference a book every single time they cast a spell. And some of my players don't even own a player's handbook. So, But that having a binder full of cards ready to go, bam, saves the day. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game minis or dice? Noble Knight has it all and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade, so you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. And we're back. Let's get jiggy with the bards now. Mmm. All right, so, so <laughs> you like that? I like that. That was good. That was I'm very, good. I'm very clever. So let's talk about bards. Uh, so first of all, let's let's we're gonna try to run the the gambit here uh, in terms of the level at which we're going to talk about bards. So we're gonna assume that somebody's listening who has never played a bard, never had an interest in a bard, never looked at it, maybe never played the game before, right? So. So basics, but we're also going to try to do a little bit deeper, like here's some tips and tricks and how to take the, somebody who's, who's advanced, uh, an advanced bard player might pick up a few things here and there to help them make it even better. So uh, so let's start with what is a bard besides a nickname for Shakespeare? And uh, I think as our resident bard enthusiast, let's have Topher uh, give us our, uh, a swing at what is a bard. So here's what I see a bard as, and I think this is what the flavor of the, at least the 5th edition bard is. The 5th edition bard is a storyteller, is a chronicler of knowledge in history of the realms, and they use this information and this, this God-given skill to convey it via music 
and to enhance and to bolster the party there with. That's what I think a bard is at the purest level. Okay. Now, mechanics-wise, the bard's a support character that can really come in handy when you're in a party that needs a off-healer or needs to bolster your fellow players mm. or needs to do knowledge or arcana or history checks. That's really the, 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 the mechanics of it, the crunch of it. But the fluff is they're a chronicler of knowledge. They're a collector of information. They're a teller of stories. Mm. I mean, they certainly get the teller of stories, but I don't know that I would always think of them necessarily as being a chronicler of knowledge. Um, you know, that, that sounds more bookish and wizardy to me sometimes. Well, but, I, uh, yeah. I guess it depends on whether you go by only if you only think in terms of people who write it in books right. or if or like oral tradition. Yeah, it's just that word chronicler that makes that made me think because you're because right. it, it's not that that implies not just oral tradition to me. From the player's handbook, <laughs> a bard's life is spent wandering across the land, gathering lore, mm-hmm. telling stories, and living on the gratitude of audiences, much like other entertainers. But a but a depth of knowledge and a level of musical skill and a touch of magic set bards apart from their mm. fellows. Yeah, but but there's also some key ideas in there as well. I think the idea that they're the entertainer uh, plays plays up a lot in in bards, whether it's storytelling or music or poetry or whatever. Right? I think that's an important aspect of what a bard is. Um, I also tend to find, while it may not necessarily be explicit in like what's published in the book, when I'm actually at the table. Um, whoever's playing the bard oftentimes ends up being the face man, I guess, for the party, right? Um, because not only are they going to, because of the nature of the mechanics of the class, going to be the high charisma class, um, but they've also got the various skills and diplomacy, and, and bards are kind of by their nature kind of um, extroverts, right? They're out there anyway. They, they like the social interaction. They do all that kind of stuff. Am I, am I missing the mark on that? I wouldn't say you're missing the mark. No, I think you're dead on. I think the bards, when I've played bards and I've DM'd bards, they always uh, are the exactly what you said, the face guy, the the one that walks into the tavern and makes the negotiation. They're mm-hmm. the high charisma, usually have a good bluff or deception. You know, if you take the entertainer scale, then it you know, takes you to another level. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Okay. So bards do a lot of things, and I guess that's part of the nature of bard because they've also been described. I know at least going back to second edition AD and D, because that's when I started playing D and D. They've they've historically been described as as the class that's kind of a jack of all trades, right? They've got heavy skills, they got a little bit of magic, but they can also jump up front with a with a sword and do a little swashbuckling. And um, you know, back in that edition, they also got some of the uh, the rogue abilities to like pickpockets and disarm traps and that kind of stuff which now has been rolled into skills so i guess in theory they could still pick those kinds of things up um so so does the fifth edition bard continue to i mean beside the fact that it has a feature called jack of all trades does that description of the overall class do you think still fit the jack of all trades but master of none does it sort of a mix of all the all the classes or not I definitely think the jack of all trades, at least with the skill level, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think with other things as well. And I think it's kind of important to talk about that. So when I counted on the character sheet in the back of the player's handbook, I believe I counted 18 skills. Mm-hmm. If you, So all bards, from their back, if they pick the background, they get two. And from a class, they get three more. So that's five out of 18 skills mm-hmm. you get proficiency in. And then if you decide to pick College of Lore at third level you get three more uh skill proficiencies so you've got almost half the skills covered at that point correct and then everything else you get half proficiency in Mm -hmm. so even the stuff you're not proficient in you're you're pretty okay at potentially yeah or at least you like um if you did have a dump stat you probably overcome any negative there Mm, there you go Uh, and everything else so i think that's like definitely one thing to keep in mind with skills I mean, with bards, mm-hmm. it's like just just how much. And like, I was looking at the other classes, and all of the other classes in the player's handbook, you have to pick from a list, mm-hmm. and only rogues get the closest, which is four, so they get one more at the very beginning, uh, and the ranger gets the same number of three for, from the class. Mm. 
so it is kind of interesting, I think, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting both from the player side, the group dynamic side, and also from, like, for the DM to understand that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so what do you mean by, by it's important for both the, the other players and the DM to understand that? What, what should they be looking out for? So uh, kind of like you, you were talking about earlier where the bard often becomes the face of the group. Hmm. Um, here, so with when it comes to skill ability checks, like skill checks, uh, the bard might constantly want to do the roles which makes Mm. it hard to have the spotlight go on other characters. So, like, if you have a bard and a rogue, and, like, the rogue picked four skills, and then the bard either picks those same skills or with their half-proficiency bonus get pretty close, that that can create tension at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the DM, when they're running the adventure, if if there's no real reason to do a lot of skill checks, the bard player may feel like they didn't make a great character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because certainly, like, I, I can see, like, when it comes to, to do the, the skill sort of role-playing, you know, diplomacy, negotiation, whatever, sort of, sort of part of the, the session, the bard has an opportunity to shine that might outshine everybody else. But the, on the other hand, when it comes time for combat, uh, I find that bards tend to sort of fade further into the background. Uh, right. Because, as, as Topher said, they kind of play a support role, but they're not... They're not going to be a major role in, in that. So then they're suddenly, like, appropriately, I guess, for an entertainer, right? The, the spotlight gets moved around a lot with a bard. Right. And so that's the thing is, is if you end up in, in a situation where you have a campaign where there's not a lot of that opportunity outside of combat, it can be kind of hard for the player. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, the DM probably should prepare things to make sure that the spotlight gets put on the bard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, but that's tricky too, right? Because you, on one hand, you want the bard to have a spotlight on the non-combat situations. On the other hand, you don't want the non-combat situations to just be about the bard, right? You want other right. players to sort of get their moment in, the, yeah. in in those things too. So that's that's a careful balance to keep in mind. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a situation I think where the to play a bard, to be a player who plays a bard, you've got to want to to play it well. I think you either want to spread the 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 fame, for lack of a better term, around the party, because you don't want to make yourself the target. So if you're the guy, if you're the character who always goes and is always the one going, well, look at me, look at me, look at me, eventually a smart DM is going to start targeting you, Mm -hmm. right? And make it so that, yeah, of course we're going to look at you, and then we're going to go after you. You know, I, I... I play a bard, and when I, when I get to play, I play a bard, and one of the things in the group I play in, we have a rogue who loves being in a party with me because he and I work together, and I draw the attention by being the boisterous, loud, flamboyant, draw attention one, and then he can go and do his thing mm-hmm. with everybody's attention on me, and he and I work together that way, and it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, a team situation. Mm-hmm. But I've played an Adventure League game where I'm just sitting down at the table where I've got to really be careful because exactly what you guys said is that the spotlight can very easily, because of the way bards are built, can very easily be on the bard all the time. You don't want to do that because it's just, it's A, not fun for anyone at the table. And ultimately, if you really think about it, it's not fun for you either if you're the only one doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you talked about uh, a little bit, you, you mentioned or skirted past this, this question I had. Uh, a second ago, before we get into all of the different features of bards and how to make them awesome, uh, why should someone want to play a bard? Or who shouldn't be playing bards? I think you shouldn't be playing a bard if you don't like to role play. That's my personal opinion. That's role play with, reason- an, with, role play with an E. Yes. I so- like doing that part of D&D. That's one of my favorite parts of D&D. And so I am well suited to being a player to play a bard. Um, So my bard is called Jimmy of the Page. And he believes he's the greatest bard to ever exist in Faerun. And everyone's heard of him. And in reality, nobody's ever heard of him. (laughs) And 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 so he walks in and announces himself. And everybody's like, who the hell are you? And if people want a highlight of Jimmy of the Page, you did the Tarasque takedown, didn't you, with Jimmy of the Page? I did do the trash takedown mm-hmm. with Jimmy of the Page, the and high level yeah, version. I love what yeah the twenty uh, level twenty of Jimmy, mm-hmm. um, and I liked playing him so much. I liked the char- the, the class so much in Fifth Edition that I went and re rolled him as a first level character and played him 
all the way through third tier in Adventures League. Hmm. Um, and I enjoyed playing him that much. That's much how much fun I had playing that that character. So yeah, so I also feel like if you're going to play a bard, you you want to be the kind of player who wants to interact, right? Who who's because there are some players who, when it comes time for the the social thing, right? They they like to fade more into the background. Uh, when it's planning and scheming and, and tactics and and um, you know, doing the, the the combat portion of the game or whatever. Some players are into that, but they they and they enjoy the story happening, but don't necessarily want to be front and center in the middle of that because it's it's just more spotlight than they're comfortable with. Um, so if you're if you're that kind of player, I, I think maybe the bard shouldn't be your your pick because the bard, by its nature, is going to if you're doing the if you're playing a bard the way a bard is supposed to be, and certainly. There's always exceptions, right? You could. I, I would love to see somebody play the shy bard, right, uh, and see yeah, what right. happens. And see what happens. But that's not the nature of the bard. Uh, you know, the bard should be kind of out there and and starting conversations with NPCs and and you know doing the investigations and the diplomacies and the persuasions and whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And and also probably they need to be willing to maybe improvise a bit more because a lot more of what mm. the bards main pluses are in the area where there's fewer rules overall mm-hmm. like combat is pretty well documented out and we spend a lot of time on it it's pretty well understood but this part is really about the conversation between you and the dm and the other people at the table uh and not about rules mm-hmm. you know you throw a skill yeah. t- you throw a skill check in there every now and then or something but but yeah you're right besides that it's a lot of a lot more improv yeah, so you really got to have a DM who's willing to look at it and go, "Well, you're a bard and you have a loot." So I'm going to say that you don't. You're not just trying to convince somebody to do something. You're singing a song and you know getting their attention off of it and changing it. You know, you got a, a a good a good DM. Yeah, you're right, Tracy. We'll really draw that out and and you know look at the rules a little more fluid in that area. Mm-hmm. So so why should somebody want to be a bard then? So we've said don't awesome. don't do it if you're going to be this uh, you know a certain way or whatever. But what is it about a bard that that should attract somebody? Uh, because I think you hit on it earlier. They are a jack of all trades. You can be a little bit of a healer. Mm. You can be the face guy. You can be the support character. I, uh, I I this is not written anywhere, but I like to call them the. Uh, they could be a disruptor. They have some spells that allows you to kind of disrupt. The the enemies, the bad guys, as they're coming after you, mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, if, if that's the kind of thing that interests you, if you want to kind of be helping, but not just sit there and wait till you have to heal or not be the board and sword kind of person, mm-hmm. then I think that's what the bard really kind of, from a, from a crunch point of view, mm. can really um, entice you. Yeah, I kind of feel like the bard is, like, if I wanted to make a swashbucklery sort of character... There's there's a couple of ways of going with that, but if you want to be a swashbuckler with just a little bit of magic, then then I feel like the bard can do that as well. Well, yeah, but its default weapon kit is a is a rapier, so by all means, mm-hmm. you could be a very arrow flinty kind of bard. Yeah. Absolutely, and you get a little bit of magic, but it's not a ton of magic. Uh, I mean, it's more than like say a ranger, right? But it's not quite a wizard or sorcerer levels of, of magic so you get a little fl- flavor over that you also kind of get to be the guy who who might just always know what ne- what you need to know right you're stuck you're you're can't figure out this puzzle you can't figure out what to do whatever uh but it just so happens you know the bard can can throw down a lore check and see what's going on and, and possibly figure out what's going on i'll yeah, tell you the I- other reason you want to play a bard is if you have the mindset that you want to be like a like an emissary or a diplomat mm-hmm. or something like that they're very well suited for that kind of play and that kind of character because of the charisma. Yeah, the charisma. Um, the, there is um, you can you can tailor the character to be persuasive and be um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Be you know a great public speaker and mm-hmm. draw people in and such. So I find it Maybe. ironic that you got hung up on the word public speaker, but that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing for me is like we did we did mention already that bards are, tend to be like the support character, but for me, they're not. There's not as much pressure. It's clear that it's not the healer. Mm. 
Like I would, I don't, I don't know if I would have a party that didn't have a real healer. Yeah, uh, I mean, my current party that I'm DMing, uh, my my grown up party, not my after school party with with middle schoolers. Um, the primary healer is a bard. Um, okay. And and it and it works okay. I mean, it's a relatively small party, and and they're they're I mean, they're, they're it's a lot of casters, so they don't have a ton of hit points anyway. So the bard can can heal the amount of hit points that they're losing. Because um, they they otherwise just have to be very careful, or it's the only frontline person is the barbarian who you know flies into a rage and then gets dr when he does so and um, doesn't you know is, is really not squishy. Uh, and and that works out. He's also a, an odd bard because he and I say he because it's a it's a male player. Although the actual character is, is genderless because he's playing a gear forged, so he's 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 a robot. Uh, and we're playing it in like a, a post-apocalyptic future Earth uh, setting, and so he's a he's a an advanced Japanese robot that has been programmed with the entire catalog of David Bowie songs, <laughs> right? And so that's how he performs is is he's got a speaker in the middle of his chest, and when he needs a song, he plays a David Bowie song, right? And so the players like starting to match up David Bowie songs on a playlist that go along with different spells that he'll play. Uh, and that kind of stuff, and or he'll use it to torture. Like we got a gnome in the party recently, and so he's got a little song. David Bowie had a song that references a gnome, and so he plays that song around him all the time just to drive him crazy, and it works pretty well. Uh, but he's also a unique bard in that even with the high charisma, and he's and he's the healer of the party. Um, he's also not always the most personable. Like he's a great performer, he's got the high charisma or whatever, but he's also specifically playing him not as the shy bard, but he's playing him as. Well, I'm a genderless robot. I don't understand like human society, and I'm not a schmoozer, and I'm not that that kind of guy. So I think there's it shows that there's some versatility within the bard to do some different things as well. Right. I agree. All right, so let's get into the actual like mechanics of the bard. I mean, we've hinted at hinted at some of them and, and discussed some of them as we've gone, but uh, but. I think there's some some specific sort of iconic like this is a thing that makes a bard a bard, um, and I think first of all it's worth noting that bards are spellcasters. Like I said, they're not spellcasters to the level of a wizard, maybe, uh, but they're definitely more spellcaster than a ranger. Uh, so, so who wants to talk about how bardic spellcasting works? Don't you all jump up at once. You cast some spells. Oh, I, I, I can do that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Um, so bards have spell slots, right? They, um, You have a known list of spells. At first level, you know two cantrips, and you know four spells, right? But you can only cast two first level spells. So you have a, a list of spells you know, and that list grows as you level um, along with your cantrips. And then you have X amount of spells slots you can dispense a day. Hmm. Um, they come out of a book, so you can... Um, get them that way. Uh, the bards can do rituals, um, and they can so you, use their musical say, instruments. You say it comes out a, of a book. Oops. You say it comes out of a book. Are you are you saying that they carry spell books? No, they just have to learn the spell once. Okay, so they don't have to carry spell books like a wizard. And do they have to? And they don't have to memorize their spells. I don't think. No, they do not. Okay. I'm trying so to remember, you, it's been a little while since I played a bard, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm not even sure. Uh, and then the bards have the have the ability that when they reach level ten, they can um, add spells from other classes. Hmm. They're treated as spell as as bard spells, so they're, they're not extra spells. Like you don't, if the table says you can only get four spells, you don't get extra ones. You just you can swap out non bard spells and non bard cantrips at higher levels. Mm-hmm. So that's always a, a, a fun, mm-hmm. fun, fun, fun thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as we've been implying, the the key stat for their spellcasting is charisma, and that's why they're uh, they tend to always have the high charisma because that's a pretty right, big deal yeah, for exactly. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the key with 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 bard. So your spell save, you're right, is uh, eight plus your proficiency bo- proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier, and your attack modifier is your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier. Mm-hmm. So you're right. So having a high charisma is a high charisma modifier is really important to to making sure that mm-hmm. you're a well done spell uh, spell bard. Yeah, and their spells tend to the spells on their list tend to be more support. Like there's a little bit of 
healing, but there's also you know uh, buffs and debuffs, and and you know maybe some en- enchantments or or uh, charms and that kind of stuff, right? Because that's all sort of within the bardic wheelhouse. But you're not going to be dropping a lot of fireballs and things as a as a bard, unless you know you get to tenth level and pick that pick that as one of your spells. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the most powerful spell, arguably, is that um, at level uh, a seventh level spell of Mordecai's sword. Hmm. That's a pretty. That could be pretty damaging if you want it to be. But you're right. At at, at where most people are going to play in the first two tiers of play, um, where you can only get through fourth level spells, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a lot of support, a lot of. Uh, buffing or disruption. They have a spell called Bane. They can get at first level, first mm-hmm. level spell, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty. You know, I often joke that you know every bard should just learn Bane and Vicious Mockery and then move on. Mm-hmm. You know, just cast Bane, Vicious Mockery, maybe, maybe do a a Blade Ward to protect yourself, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like we we. We started this whole adventure through the different classes with with a relatively complex class, right? This isn't this isn't a, a character who's just going to run up and hit things with the sword, although they can do a little bit of that. And it's not a spellcaster who's going to be like, okay, what can I what can I blast them with this turn? There's a little more nuance and complexity with a bard uh, in and terms of what you're doing. Yeah, Tracy. And we haven't even talked about probably the most complicated part of the bard. Mm. Do you want to talk bard. about bardic inspiration? Yeah. So tell us about Bardic Inspiration. So uh, for between extended rests at the beginning level, up to your Charisma mod, you get to do um, this thing called uh, Bardic Inspiration. The base is you add 1d6 added to any d20 roll, mm-hmm. is what I, I copied from the book. Uh, but as so you it's, gain- it's only for ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. Mm-hmm. Right. So not damage unless you take a class, unless you one yeah. of the colleges, then you can get it from that. Right. So there, there's two parts. So like as you gain levels, you're allowed to do it and uh, use it in other ways. And then as you pick either the College of Lore or the College of Valor, uh, there are different ways within those um, colleges to also use the Bardic inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, one of the big things, too, in looking at it was it was a return from the fourth edition of the Interrupt. Mm. Because a number of the ways in which you can use Bardic Inspiration are actually Interrupts, uh, particularly, uh I'm trying to remember right now, uh, there was one where when an attack roll was made against the character, they could potentially use, their in- use the Inspiration then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, add- if you, you you cutting word, which will lower the attack roll, lower the damage, or you can use the other one, which I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. You're right, Tracy. Which you can raise your AC. Yeah, the combat inspiration. Uh, you can use it for weapon damage or a- to yeah or AC, and then there's another one where you can is it is the one you were talking about? Uh, yeah, you uh, cutting word. You can use it yeah. against the roll. Yeah. So the thing is, is like it's an interrupt, which is something they kind of went away from a bit, uh, and it kind of makes things more complicated because, on top of it, it's after the you can you can know the result of the die roll, but not you can like you can know what what number comes up on the die, but you can't know whether or not it would hit or whatever. Right, it, there's this weird the timing thing. Right, and so that it kind of like requires two things: one, that the DM give time and. To, to, for you to decide whether or not you want to use a bardic inspiration mm-hmm. and then the other part is it can be kind of weird when the players know the numbers enough of the game mm-hmm. to know whether or not to expend their inspiration mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah and it's yeah. worth uh, noting that you you talk about using the bardic inspiration but it's not actually the bard who's using the inspiration and making that decision the bard inspires somebody, and then they get the inspiration and can use it uh, at at their leisure. Is that right? You can uh, I, you can give it to yourself. Uh, yeah, right, I th- right. I, th- I think the very basic one is intended, like you can give it to yourself or other players. Uh, but I thought some of the other ones was the bard can expend. Cutting word is designed so the bard expended on himself. Right, but the the the. Issue. The question is, like, say the fighter runs up and, and swings the sword, um, 
and and it and you think the roll is a little bit low, but it's an important an important attack. So the bard usually doesn't in the middle of the of in the midst of the fighter's attack say, "Oh, here, take a bardic inspiration." It's something that they have given them in advance. And yeah, you have fi- to give it to them on your turn, and then the, the fighter turn. has to decide when to use Wait. it. Correct. Yeah. 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 So and I think that's worth noting. Like I I had a I played. At Gen Con with uh, a guy who was playing a bard, and the way he handled that was um, he had a little card, like a playing card mm-hmm. size card, where he had printed out sort of all the information that you needed to know about uh, the, his bardic inspiration, and then right. like laminated it in packing tape or whatever. And so whenever he gave it to somebody, he literally handed that person the card. And so, and so that person doesn't have to like ask, oh, so what does this do? And then to be reminded about it, they have a physical reminder right in front of them, and it has the mechanics on it right there, which I thought was a great way of handling bardic inspiration. Oh, I have a set of D6s that I got made that have a loot where the one is. Okay. And I and I, so I give those – when I give somebody bardic inspiration, I give them one of those D6s as mm-hmm. a reminder. But I like the card because then I don't have to keep explaining what it does for them. Right. And Peerless Skill is the other place where you can expend Bardic Inspiration. Yes, that's right. On where? Uh, Peerless Skill, it's a, a, on ability checks. Oh, okay, yeah. You have... for, the, for the lower college bard. Correct. It's also um, interesting for some uh, people who play D&D who, who don't like abstract about stuff, because it, it is a very abstract concept mm. overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally is. But see, that's not the best part. The best part is Song of Rest. Okay, because I wasn't even going to talk about Song of Rest, but go ahead. If you think that's a key yeah. feature of what makes a bard a bard, tell us about that's Song a, of Rest. That's a great thing. So, uh, so they've uh, if, you, if you have a player handbook and you're reading this, they have errated it to change one word, which makes it very important. Um, that Song of Rest at its crunch level is uh, if you or any friendly creature who can hear you perform regains hit points from expending a hit die... At the end of a short rest, each of those creatures regain an extra 1d6 hit points. So the, the player handbook does not say hit die, but they have, they have errated that to say that mm-hmm. they have to expend the hit die. So they can't use a healing potion or get a healing ah, spell mm-hmm. on them. They have to expend the hit die to, to heal. But if they expend that hit die, then you as a bard during a short rest can keep your party a little longer before they need a long rest because they, they may not need to expend as many hit die to get them back to mm-hmm. where they need to be. So I, I think I think that's a really key feature. I think that's one of those really great support features that, you know, the cleric can't do that. The cleric has to, you know, heal you. This is a little bonus that they play a little song and everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's useful. I, I, I don't know how iconic it feels to me. It's not, it, it's not active, right? It's sort of this passive thing that happens when you're not actually in the middle of doing stuff. Uh, but it certainly has its utility, right? Yeah. I do. I do feel like a lot of the bard stuff's kind of passive because even with bardic inspiration, mm, that's true. A lot. A lot of times, it's for other people to use instead of yourself. Uh, one last thing on the inspiration thing. It, I forget which level it is, but after a while, you can regain all your bardic inspiration after a short rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not that high. Is that fun of inspiration number level level five? Level yeah. five for fun. Yep. Yeah. So that's also another area where bards can potentially cause uh, uh, newer DMs headaches. Hmm. Or experienced ones, but I, I guess as, as an experienced DM, that'll cause me headaches, but I'll just sort of roll with it, right? Yeah. So. so think about this. At that same level five where you can get it back in a short rest, your bardic inspiration dry changes from a D6 to a D8. Mm-hmm. So not only can you get it back sooner, it's a more it's more potent. It's more potent, yeah. So that's pretty iconic for the Bard. Uh, the Bard has two different college options in the Player's Handbook. The College of Lore, which which feels like the um, extra proficiencies, more magic sort of uh, Bard. And then the, the College of Valor, which seems like more of the jumping in the front lines with a sword and swashbuckling sort of, sort of Bard. Does that um, seem like a fair sort of description of the two different options? Yeah, I call them the College of Lore is the support college, uh-huh. and the uh, College of Valor is the disruptor co- college. Okay. Yeah, because the you're right. You you hit it on the head. The lore is more spelly, more. Let me have more proficiencies and be able to do those things better. The valor, the you have a better a better chance of 
doing damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you can, as a, you're never going to be, at least in the bards I've played or I've played with, I've never seen them be able to do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. So their damage is really about disruption, drawing attention, you know, mm. hitting something so that the, 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 the big hitters can move and, and, you know, do things more efficiently. At least that's how I've seen them played. And, so. and yet the, the actual features of the College of Valor don't really necessarily do that, do they? There's not a lot of like special disruptive abilities in there. No, it's just it's just how you use them. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, I get that. You, also, you get to be a little you get to be a little hardier because you get better armor and shields. Yeah, yeah, and you can use your combat inspiration to to raise your AC. Yeah, and then at six you get the extra attack. Yep. Yeah, that said, I got I have a I, we were talking before we hit record. I have a bard in my um, in my kid group, my school group, um, who is a College of Lore bard, and one of the cool things about the College of Lore bard is that they don't have to wait until 10th level to pick up the extra spells outside of the the bard spells, right? That's one of the cool things about bards is that, you know, at a certain point they could just just start picking a couple spells from any list that they want, Uh, and the College of Lore bard gets to do that at 6th level, and my it took a, a little bit of looking through the rules and making sure this is okay, but um, this player decided to use that to pick up um, the Warlock's Eldritch Blast, which is listed as a cantrip, but also scales by level. So he's picking up this Eldritch Blast that does significant damage, and it's a cantrip that he can just do all day. Uh, And normally the Warlock does that and has to make some sacrifices in order to do that because Warlocks don't get a ton of spells, right? Um, but now suddenly this bard can be thrown out Eldritch Blasts, Eldritch, Eldritch Blasts uh, as well as the Warlock does. Let me tell you how mad I am. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really upsets me. I, like Jimmy would have had Eldritch Blast all day long. Oh, yeah. All day long. No, all day long. No, no slots expended, uh, and it scales with level uh, better than like any other cantrip out there. Yeah. So I guess kind of on this... Does it make sense to start talking about bards versus multi-classing? Sure. Let's talk about whether or not we should play a bard or multi-class. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but I was hoping you guys would. <laughs> but you wanted to know? So I, I, I played with a bard curious. who multi-classed. At, once they got the sixth level, for their seventh level, they took a level. They, for the seventh and eighth level, they took two levels of barbarian. Hmm. Solely for the damage reduction. Okay. Um, it worked great because they became like a like a secondary tank almost because they were able to soak up more more damage. Uh, I didn't see it as a like a, oh my god I must do this. I've seen other bards who multiclass into cleric, so they can be more of more a efficient healer. Yeah. Uh, so. As someone who played a bard, who has played a bard to a relatively high level, and has more than he cares to admit, min maxed it, except for this Elder's Blast thing, which I'm totally going to go do now. <laughs> um, I don't see the reason to multi-class a bard unless there's a specific role that's missed in your party in your game, and no, and there's no one else to fill it. But that's my personal opinion, mm. having played bards and seen other people play bards who have multi-classed. So and now and here's here's my uh, non-answer answer, uh, and, and that's that it depends on the story you want to tell, right? I, I honestly couldn't care less about the the min-maxing part of the of the game most of the time when I'm playing. I want to make a character that's interesting and tells an interesting story. So if I'm picking up levels in another class, um, that better be a pretty essential part of what's going on in that character's story. Um, so, so I guess that's my answer to the question, right? It depends on what's going on, right? If my if my bard is suddenly uh, touched by divine inspiration, then I might pick up that cleric level, but it's not because I want to be a better healer. Right. But, yeah. And I also was kind of wondering... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was kind of wondering if... So one of the things about bards is that they're... They kind of... Like the whole jack-of-all-trades thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play a character that maybe has a little bit of spellcasting a little bit of skill use or a lot of skill use. And then if you take college of Valor, a little bit more combat, 
like, is it better to pick a bard than it is, like, multi-classing other classes to do that? See, so, I would totally multi-class other classes. Okay. So, are you, are you talking about yeah, multi-classing uh, bard with other classes, or are you talking about multi-classing two classes together to sort of simulate the bardishness? The latter. Okay, so so like picking a little bit of fighter and a little bit of, uh, you know, sorcerer or whatever, and and, and being a bard-like character. Right. Or or a rogue, I guess, because then you get the fighteriness, but you get also get the the skills. Yeah. I mean, you could you could build a a bard-ish type character with a sorcerer rogue. I think that could be fun because then you get past yeah. the whole music thing. Honestly, I haven't said it until now. We're forty minutes in, and I haven't mentioned. Um, there, I have no problem with bards, but one of the things that drives me crazy about bards is is this very narrow focus on the the power of music, which always f- has felt a little corny to me. Um, so I'm just not into the, the idea that, you know, you can literally do magic through song and that's the only way you do magic is through song. I don't know. That's always been weird to me, but if you did a sorcerer rogue, you could kind of get some of the same effects and not have to do the whole music thing. Well, how is that different? How is uh, doing music <laughs> through song any different than spells that need a vocal, uh, a voice component to it? Because those don't have to be sung. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, fair, well, point. fair point. I mean, oh. I don't know. The, the, the power of music thing always makes it feel a little bit like a Disney mu- musical or something to me. Well, my guy's singing, you know, Led Zeppelin songs, so I don't think that's very, you know. <laughs> what were you going to say, Tracy? Well, that's, I think, to me, that's another interesting thing about bards is because it's through an instrument, even though almost all of it is about singing. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to use the instrument. You can use the instrument as your focus. Right. Right. Um, no, but, it, but it's kind of funny that you can't have your voice be your instrument. Like, and it right, makes right. sense because it's a game. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, there is a, as far as I know, only one certed Adventures League bard only magical item, the... Um, Kenneth Mandolin from The Way Down, which I searched out where that was being run and played it and got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now I kind of want to make a a party of four bards that are a barbershop quartet and officially count as each other's uh, focus. <coughs> as long as they're all there, you get, it counts as your focus because you're doing a cappella, but you're together and in harmony, you know? I think that I think I would allow that as a DM. I totally would. (laughs) (laughs) And I also like how bards are, if you follow how many instruments you're allowed, are probably, they they need like pack animals to carry. (laughs) It's just a lot of really small uh, instruments. Why do you think I took the um, bag of holding when they offered it Mm -hmm. as a DM's reward for Adventures League? Because where else would you put your tuba, right? I cuz my cuz Jimmy has his lute and he has a xylophone and a bagpipes. <laughs> I, I I Okay, so lute fine, bagpipes all right. You're pulling out a xylophone in combat? <laughs> what is no, that? No, look no, no, like? no. <laughs> That's when he's doing his whole boogie to try to, you know, charm the crowd. Oh, okay. Nice. At least that's what I tell the DM when he looks at me with a crookedly like, "What's happening?" Or, or for your uh, for for a ritual or what have you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah, I kind of on a similar note. If another reason to play the bard is if you want your character to always have comfortable lodging. Good point. Um, yeah. Although I have played bards in the past where where that whole like perform for your your keep sort of thing really backfired on me because I, I i rolled so well that the dm punished me by having me get noticed by the local tyrannical lord who then like held me prisoner and made me perform for him every day <laughs> so that went dark quick that it, oh yeah it went dark real quick and it's like what I, I rolled a crit and i'm punished for it this doesn't seem right <laughs> so yeah yeah nope. that you may know. have happened so, so uh, yeah, go ahead. So I think that I mean, if, uh, the other reason, if you're if you're doing Adventurers League, and that is your focus for Bards, 
um, then Lord's Alliance adds that. It's one of the few, I think, great marriages of class and um, factions, mm. the Lord Alliance, you know, serving the nobles and being a, a storyteller to them and such. So, Although the Harpers are, are known for having a large number of bards, aren't they? You mean the the least secret secret society in all of Faerun? Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think they are. I think they are. I mean, uh, bear in mind that your experience with the factions is through the Adventures League, and mine is largely through the the history and the lore of the setting. <laughs> so right. exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to remember because I recently went went and went back and reread those books, yeah, the Harper novels. Oh yeah, and um, which by the way they hold up very well. That's awesome. Yeah, really, really well, well, well done. The Audible versions are very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. There is a a good amount of Bard-ish kind of magic users in mm-hmm. that in that organization. So, so let's talk about since we're talking about good pairings with bards, let's talk about some any additional tips. Like we've been giving tips along the ways on how to make a good bard, right? And, and spell choices, and and you know you want the high charisma and that kind of stuff. Uh, are there any other sort of good pairings that should be kept in mind? Are there any? Uh, races that are partic- make particularly good bards, or proficiency skill choices that people should be making. Uh, what do you What do you think? What What tips and tricks do you have for for making a an effective bard or a fun bard? I think that unfortunately, because of my pension to min max the bard, uh, I which Jimmy is not funny enough. I think a halfling bard is the way to go. Mm. And why is that? You have to re-roll your ones. <laughs> <laughs> and and is there and, something and, particular and, and, about and, the bard and it's that hilarious. Makes... And it's it... hilarious to see a little tiny dude with a loot, you know, and you know, I think that's I think that's funny. The the, the vision of a bard of a of a of a very charismatic, very outgoing, you know, halfling. Mm. I think that's that's from a role play point of view. That's a ton seems like a ton I, of fun for me. I kinda wanna see a piano playing halfling who carries his piano with him. I like that idea. Then you would need a pack mule, <laughs> or just a little a little keyboard that they can strap on, like you know uh, the the marching xylophone sort of things. I was a marching band kid, so I I, I know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you do. I do. Uh, that would be fun. And I mean, some of the the if you just look at the numbers, some of the the class race combinations like. The Dragonborn get a bonus to Charisma and thus would make some sense, but that doesn't... I I have a hard time envisioning Dragonborn society being full of bards. Yeah, me too. Maybe it's because of the way Aaron Evans has portrayed Dragonborn society in her novels, um, but that just doesn't feel very Dragonborn-y to me. And yet, mechanically, there's probably a decent number of Dragonborn bards out there, right? Probably from from the true min maxers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the classic uh, bard race combination is uh, with what the half elf because they get the double bonus to, to charisma and they're supposed you know they're supposed to be the the diplomatic sort of race and whatever. Yeah, because that's the and that's even the picture they show in mm-hmm. the player's handbook is the half elf. Yeah, bard. Al- although I don't know that I remember seeing half elf bards actually in the wild very often anymore um you know i see dwarven clerics you know i see i see that kind of stuff but i i I, as much as this is the the half elf bard is is sort of the this the archetype i don't know that i remember seeing it in the wild very much have you guys seen him much i I know tofer you you get out and see a lot of gaming at your through adventures league are a lot Um, of people playing that combo no it's usually humans yeah, and humans are easy, right? Because they can kind of the, go everywhere. The human variant, they, 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 they take the human variant. Why the variant? What, what, uh, feet, what feet do they need to make an awesome bard? So that's the, so I don't know why they take the variant, because I, I think it's solely because they get a feat, mm. an extra feat, right? And that's why they take the variant. I, I don't think, I think if, if I was going to roll a new bard tomorrow, I would do either uh, half-elf or for a pure... Role play slash get to re-roll ones because I'm a terrible, terrible dice roller, uh, a halfling. Okay, so there's no like feat that people should be looking out for as bards. It's just something that people like to have because it's a it's an option. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could take heavy weapon. I mean, heavy armor proficiency. 
to make yourself a little more beefier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see a halfling in the heavy armor. Oh. I played that game. A halfling, in, a halfling in heavy armor who's a bard? Not yeah. a bard. They were a paladin. It was scary. I mean, I could, I could see the halfling in, 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 you know, plate mail wandering in with, like, a war drum. You know, and they're oh, just... And I want, it over, I want it slightly oversized. I think it would be so cute. The armor? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, I'm just picturing it, like, uh-huh. oversized. I can see that. The helmet doesn't quite fit right, but that's okay, because you just need to be able to sing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk outside of the mechanics. Outside of the, the what combinations of things make good, good bards, uh... What kind of tips would you have for playing a good bard, right? We talked about already be, having to be a little bit more outgoing and be, being willing to get out there uh, to, to do the role-playing and the skills and all that kind of stuff in the non-combat situations. But what, you know, if you're, so I'm playing a bard. How do I do a good job of playing a bard? Props. <laughs> Props, okay. Playlist. Playlist, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think certainly bards are prone to gimmicks, right? <laughs> so um, that same bard that I told you I played with at Gen Con, um, uh, Randy was the player, actually. I'm pretty sure. Um, also had this this gimmick where uh, he wouldn't cast spells unless he could make them rhyme, right? And right. so he would sit there during other people's turns with scratch paper and just sort of t- try to figure out a little limerick he could put together to count as the spell and that's relevant to the situation. And, and he refused to like figure them out ahead of time. So it, it, cause it had to be pertinent to the current situation. Um, but those kinds of things are, are fun little gimmicks that, that bards can, can play up. Sure. Jimmy, he, when he goes to make a deception role, he says, opposed to trying to lie, he tries to distract quote unquote. And he does, he, Puts his arm around the creature and says, "Selfie sketch." <laughs> <laughs> so gimmicks, okay. Birds are prone to gimmicks. Uh, anything else that uh, I think we talked a little bit about? Not only having to, you know, being willing to put yourself out there, but also um, being aware that you need to also share the spotlight and that you're a support person, right? So, so be there to support and be okay with the fact that you're not going to shine in combat, but. Uh, but those are those are those are pretty low level sort of surface level tips on on that kind of stuff, right? Uh, how do I make my bard interesting? How do I how do I role play the bard? The key is to know your know your college and your college's variants really well, because mm. if you know those, you can work those into role playing and make situations kind of fun. So make the mechanics fit the role playing. Yeah, when you're using the bardic inspiration, describe the the rousing speech that you're giving and, and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like that. You know, when you when you're casting your um, cantrip of vicious mockery, you know, say some table friendly vicious mockeries at the bad guy. <laughs> right. I've seen I've seen lists online of people who just like brainstorm long lists of potential yeah. vicious mockeries. I, I may have one of those printed out inside of my um, folder with my with, with Jimmy in it. Excellent. Uh, and and you also mentioned uh, besides knowing the di- different variants and what have you, um, one of the things we didn't talk about when we talked about colleges is that there are a handful of unearthed arcana uh, colleges as well, right? Yeah, there was one that came out. Um, when did that come out? Of November of last year. I think uh, it's called Bards, Bards Colleges, and they offer to the College of Glamour. Mm-hmm. It's open to those bards who master their craft in vibrant, deadly realms of the Feywild. Okay. Uh, so it takes it in, in, you know, out of Faerun specifically, you know, out, out of the out of the Sword Coast, I should say specifically, and opens those up. And it has some some interesting parts to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your inspiration is a little bit different. Um, you use your your charisma modifier on each target gains two point six, two two d six temporary hit points, which is kind of great. Um, then then there's College of Whisper. Uh, most folks are happy to welcome a bard into their midst. Bards of College of Whisper use this to their advantage. They appear to be like any other bard, sharing news, singing, blah blah blah. In truth, the College of Whisper teaches its students that 
they're wolves among sheep. So they're mm. a little more of a, a backstabby, mm-hmm. not so virtuous. You know, they have things called venomous blade and venomous word and mantle of whisper. Yeah, the assassin bard, almost. Yeah, exactly. Shadow lore. Mm-hmm. Is another one. So, well, and in some ways, on, on one hand, you get the the fey bard, and then on the other hand, you get the shadow bard, right? Which is kind of playing up some of the the planner tropes of fourth edition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's also uh, another Unearthed uh, Arcana that's uh, titled Unearthed Arcana Kits of Old, um, yep. which is bringing back some classic sort of bard kits. And there's the College of Swords, which is uh, um, the the sword swallowers or, or knife juggling and that kind of stuff uh, is your form of entertainment. Uh, and the uh, College of Satire, which is your, your court jester sort of tumble around and make fun of your peop- your your kings and what have you. Yeah, uh, I think the the College of Satire is would fit into my theory of the Disruptor Bard really well. Mm. And it's worth noting that, I mean, those are just some things that people might want to check out, but it's Arnold Arcana, it's playtest level material, it's not thoroughly vetted and, and what have you, but uh, uh, I know you uh, are particularly fond of at least one of those, right? And And hopeful that it will be revised and updated and balanced and then put out in a in a, an official product at some point. Yeah. I would love to play a bard that's College of Whisper. I think that'll be a ton of fun cuz it's so different than the bards we have right now. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a lot of fun to play that bard and I hope that that in a in a soon to be your future book, which I have no idea but I'd love to see that. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost feel like the 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 Bard of Whisper feels like it's a it could be a Vistani from um Curse of Strahd, right? Yeah, I almost expected to see that for Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. I really did. Interesting. All right. So any other thoughts or tips or tricks or advice or, or things that we didn't talk about when it comes to playing a bard? So I want to take two seconds to talk about the quick build. The quick build is pretty dead on in the player handbook, mm-hmm. except for it says choose the dancing light and the vicious mockery cantrip. Mm-hmm. I would recommend taking the vicious mockery, but also take blade ward instead mm. of dancing light it, it at, especially at lower level we all know if you play fifth edition levels one and two can be uber deadly mm. this gives you a little bit of of uh more longevity a little more playability at mm-hmm. low levels in my mind but it just makes you a little less squishy yeah exactly which which yeah is pretty key at those early levels um yeah i mean i, I guess i guess that sort of depends on what kind of bard you're going to play right if you're going to play right. the kind of bard who's who's going to focus more on the spell casting and just staying out of the fight, um, then then maybe you don't need that, and you because you want to go with a more spellcastery sort of thing, right? But but yeah, certainly if there's going to be a risk that you're going to be up in the fight, you know, running up to the front lines and healing people and all that kind of stuff, you're probably going to want to have some protection, right? Yeah, exactly. Good. Any other thoughts? Going once, going yeah. twice, Tracy. I said I'm good. You're good. All right. Then we're going to call that the end of this episode. Woohoo! Oh, we'd like to say thanks to our guest, Topher Cohan. Yay! <laughs> uh, where can people find you online? Um, they can find me on the Twitters at uh, Topher ATL or on the Facebooks um, at Topher Cohan, T-O-P-H-E-R-K-O-H-A-N. Um, and if you live in the metro Atlanta area and want to play D&D, come hang out with me Wednesday nights at Titan Game to Comics in Smyrna, Georgia. I'm there almost every single Wednesday running D&D. And if you leave a comment on the Tome Show's Facebook page, Topher uh, is is a, a part of that. So uh, yeah. yeah, you can go, you always can. Find me, yeah, exactly, find me on the Facebook uh, page. And um, uh, by all means, uh, I'm not an expert on bards. Let me tell you, the man who is the man for bards is um, uh, our dear friend over at... Um, why am I trying to his name? Brian yes, Madison. Over, yes, he is the Bard man. He is. He inspired me to play a fifth edition Bard by mm. reading his love of the Bard. Mm-hmm. And when I D twenty monkey. Yeah, D, thank you. Uh, he inspired me, and because of him, I've become a huge, huge fan of the Bard. Mm-hmm. Definitely true. Uh, and we'd also like to say thank you to Noble Knight, our sponsor, and all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild, or being a patron of the show at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com, 
or call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And that's episode 277, where we had the best jam session ever while talking about bards in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm not a